Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Forging Life Podcast. I am the host, Trey Ryder, and the Forging Life Podcast is about hardships, parenting, entrepreneurship, and the struggles that we deal with every single day. We will have many interviews with special guests, and you can actually see some of these interviews on YouTube, and you can even join the discussion by heading over to Facebook and typing up Forging Life Podcast and join our page. You guys, thank you so much for coming in, and I hope you enjoy season number two of the Forging Life Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Forging Life Podcast. I am your host, Trey Ryder, and today I have a special guest with me. His name is Jay, and Jay goes by the last name of Staniforth. Hopefully, I did not butcher that because I had to actually look at the paper just to make sure that I was speaking it right. And Jay, um, I've actually grown to know him through social media and what he does. And he has a very impactful story that I feel that a lot of you out there listening, or at least some, it might pertain to you. So I would like to welcome you. Welcome, Jay, uh, Jay to the Forge and Life podcast. Thanks, Trey. Great to be here. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you and sharing my story with your listeners. So yeah, thank you very much. So first and foremost, because I didn't want to take it away from you and say what you did. So can you tell us what you do currently? So I'm what we call a digital growth coach and brand strategist. So what that means is I help business owners or individuals that have a certain expertise or skill that want to present themselves as a leader or a thought leader or some sort of industry body, they want to get recognized for that. I help them to uncover and unleash that inner expert within them, help them to create a message that differentiates them and then help them to use that message and leverage that message to attract more clients and scale their business. And there's a lot of people out there, some that are uh, becoming entrepreneurs because let's face it right now the world that we're living in um, there's a lot of things that are failing but there's a lot of things that are currently growing as well and the entrepreneur realm uh, it all starts with uh, you know one the vision and two getting clients so uh, before we get into what your brand does I would like to take a step back and learn a little bit about you and this is the true story in regards to the connection that a lot of people are going to have before we get into the connection for your business one of the questions i have is jay talked to me about uh, social anxiety one of the things that he has dealt with inside of his life and what was going on so can you talk to us about what kind of entailed there when did that start and what are some of the issues or challenges that you had for that? Yeah, sure. So I don't recall an exact situation where this started. I started to notice that I was different in the way that I reacted or behaved, but it was at school, primary school, when I first recognized there was something different. And I wasn't, I was an average kid. You know, I wasn't particularly good looking. I wasn't particularly ugly or dorky or you know anything like that I didn't I didn't have anything especially that you could pick on either side of the spectrum I was very much average and I'm you know I'll admit that that that's how I saw myself and that's generally how I was however when it came to things like sports uh, doing well in school in, in lessons I didn't like the attention 
So I hated it when I stood out for something and people would look at me. And a lot of my social anxiety was actually around the way I looked or the way I perceived people's opinion of me. So what I thought they were thinking. And often it was just me thinking that and other people wouldn't even be thinking it. But in your head, when you've got social anxiety, you build this big picture up in your mind of, well, they must be thinking this. And it, it really it really holds you back and brings you down and, and you know, you get the sweaty back, the sweaty palm, stuttering, dry mouth, and it causes it causes you to almost recline into yourself and not not deliver or live what you could be living. So I was finding myself forced into doing running because the teacher said that I needed to do it, and I didn't want the attention of raising a fuss and saying I don't really want to be running. That's not what I, I want to do. I don't enjoy that. So I just said yes because that was the thing that gave me the least attention. So then I was running. And then I realized I was actually quite good at running, but I won the first race I ever ran and got a lot of attention for it. So that was the end of me trying to win races. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be getting that attention, but equally I didn't want to be so slow that I was losing. So I stayed that middle ground in what I called the human haze. Just you, you, you're good enough to be noticed and not picked on, but not so good that you stand out or not so bad that you stand out. And that's how I remained for quite a, quite a while, especially through my school years, a lot of bullying ensued. So I joined things like air cadets and uh, even my best friends would take the mick out of me, call me cadet sergeant doofy just because in the air cadets and things like that. And when I look back now, I kind of think it was kind of funny. And at the time I was laughing at it, but inside it, it's almost like a, like a secret assassin that you don't realize you're laughing outside, but you don't realize inside it's actually cutting you. And when it comes to the next situation that you find yourself in, it's that that's impacting you. And you start to have this mindset of, well, this is me. I, I am a, you know, a dork or I am not as good as I think I am. I am a loser. Or, and all these things that people have said to you, you start to reflect them back onto yourself, even when other people aren't saying it. And even when there is a situation that presents itself where you could step out and become something else, that mindset that you've obtained almost or adopted from other people it, it claws you back in. I guess the example I would have, you know, people that don't come from a background of money, they win the lottery within, I think it's an average of 70% of people that do within three years are bankrupt because their, their, their mindset is not a mindset of having money. So then they're subconsciously, they'll draw themselves back in to being how they were before. And that's, I only realize it now. It's not, I didn't have these thoughts back then, but I realize now what I was doing is the way that I thought about myself and the way that I approached life was clawing me back into this almost like a recluse behavior. Um, and it really did impact me for a number of years. Um, it really held me back for quite some time. And I did have a realization as time went on, you know, I, was, I started studying psychology at school as one of my subjects in sixth form. And I really wanted to understand why I was the way I was. It really, it, it, it wasn't a great feeling. And everybody else seemed to be taking life on, you know, in, in leaps and bounds. And there was me dragging myself through it. And I couldn't understand why it was so difficult. So I thought psychology, that understands the mind and where people are. Surely that's going to help me to change this. So I studied psychology and that's how I ended up take, making the decision to go to university to do that. But just before that, end of sixth form, there was a group of, of, of lads at school that they, they were the popular lads, but popular because they bullied people. Uh, probably everyone knows that sort of situation, that sort of group. 
and for some reason they they didn't like me and they gave me attention but negative attention constantly and they they surrounded me on the school field once they were 10 10 or 14 lads it was it's a blur now because obviously at the time I was really scared I was a small guy and some of these were bigger than me and the friend that was with me when he saw them coming over he kicked the ball away so they could run off and get the ball and then didn't come back to me so I was there on my own and these lads started hurling abuse to me telling me that they're going to hit me and knock me out and all these sort of sayings that kids say to you and I, I panicked you know I, I didn't want to hit out I didn't want to run because that was embarrassing but then I was scared inside and I could feel the, the energy and the blood rushing in, up into me and I could feel my cheeks flushing with blood and I could, you know my fists clenching and it was an unfamiliar feeling that I'd, normally I'd just shy out of it and you know go back into into this recluse behavior but I really I stood there and something was happening I couldn't understand what it was and in the end it it just dispersed. I don't really recall what happened, but it just dispersed. I said, you know, if you're going to hit me, hit me. Otherwise, leave me alone. I'm playing football. And they just left me. And as I was walking over to my mate, I didn't have any any sort of thought process to say, you know, what were you doing? Why did you leave me? I was just calm about it, but I could feel the blood rushing through me. And at the, at the time that happened, I remember thinking, people are noticing me, whether I want it or not. But people are seeing me for either the bad things or they're seeing me for the good things or they're seeing me for as the way that I'm portraying myself. And I'm portraying myself as more average than I really can be. I could be better than this. I'm living, you know, only a small percentage of what I could be. And I just thought if people are going to notice me anyway and people are going to recognize me for something, I may as well choose what they notice me for and choose what they recognize me for. And if I'm going to get recognized, why not get recognized for the skills, the talents, the abilities, the, the, you know, the values that I hold, the things that I can do and the way that I can contribute. And it just from that point, I changed. And like I said, it was the end of sixth form. So I was leaving school. So I never really got to experience what that change would have been like at school, but I went to university and my life just changed. And um, yeah, fast forward to where I am today, still dealing with social anxiety uh, like I walk into a restaurant, if anyone remembers what that's like now, <laughs> since we're in lockdown, but walk into a restaurant and I'll still sometimes feel a little something go through me and I'll end up sitting on the edge of the restaurant so that I can see in and there's no one behind me. And that's how I deal with that. But it doesn't happen all the time. So, you know, I'm still dealing with it, but not it doesn't hold me back like it did before, for sure. That's definitely one of the things that I do as well. Anytime I go into the restaurant, I always choose to be able to see everything. So I always, my typically my back is to the wall. Even my wife that, you know, when we're going out, she she knows how I kind of look at things. I'm looking at different exes. And, and that's part of, you know, the whole military aspect, just the way I, you know, over the years, it's a, a way of protection. And, you know, with, with everything that was going on and, you know, being bullied uh, during school. And did you find yourself being more of a people pleaser at this point? It's it's so strange that you say that. I was having a conversation with one of my coaching clients today. And I talked about the fact that I'm still a people pleaser. I sometimes, I, I say the things that I want them to, that, that will make them happy, but what I won't do is lie. So I'll, I'll try and settle or I'll lower my expectations or standards to make sure that they're happy as well. And I guess that can be a good thing sometimes because I'm conscious of what they're feeling. So I'm quite in touch with my emotions 
although I'm not an emotional person, I couldn't tell you the last time I cried, but I'm in touch with my emotions and I like to ensure that the people around me are cared for, catered for and getting what they want. And that has caused problems in the past in relationships where, you know, maybe a partner wanted me to be more forward and directive with the things that we're doing and take a stand and stand up for things. Whereas my concern was, well, I kind of want to do this thing, but I don't think you're going to want to. So I'm going to do what you want to do and not give an idea. I'm just going to say, what is it you want to do? We'll do that. And that's caused problems. So there, there does come a time where you do have to recognize that maybe I do need to take a bit of control here and step out of this and stop trying to people please. But then it's that balance of how do I stop people pleasing and keep it just being honest and open with getting what I want as long as it's fair and not being sort of pig headed about it and saying this is how it is. You know, I don't even want to listen to what you're saying. This is how I see it. This is how it is. I don't want to operate from a closed mindset. So it's getting that balance. And I'm still learning that, to be honest. I, I can be very direct at times. And I can also want people to get to the point quickly. I if there's waffle, some situations, I want to get there. But other times I love listening to it. So it it's, it's odd. I'm still trying to balance that out. Yeah, I'm sitting here smiling away as you're talking because that's like this book that I have been kind of working at. It's uh, called The Empathetic Leader. And that's part of what I want to actually address within this book is one, being able to understand uh, the individuals that are going on. And it's kind of like the yin and yang. You know, you have at certain times you have to be direct. And there's other times you need to sit back and make sure that you're paying attention to who truly needs that shoulder at that time. But there's also that time. So it's about reading people. You have to understand what's going on. And sometimes some people just need that direct, hey, yeah, you are fat. So what are you going to do about that right now? You know, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes it's like you can sit there and, and kind of be okay and say, look, you know, I'm so sorry that, you know, you're being picked on for your weight or, um, but then it, it comes down to two choices. We can either accept the fact that maybe we're overweight. I, I'm just using this as an example. It was the first thing yeah. that came to my mind. Um, accept it and just continue that type of lifestyle or we can accept that we have the possibility of changing our lifestyle. And that's kind of what you were speaking of in regards to working through things as well as even your coaching clients. Um, so that's why I kind of dove into that. So, um, so with social anxiety, even though what you were saying is you still live with it to this day, is that kind of what I'm understanding? Yeah, for sure. It's, I don't know if it's ever completely gone, but for sure it's still it's still there to a degree, but manageable for sure. So you've come up with ways to kind of cope and um, overcome or being self-aware to actually realize what's going on in the moments. Yeah, one, I tell you, there's a book by a guy called Eckhart Tolle. I think that's how you pronounce his name. The Eckhart Power Tolle. Of yeah, the, that book, uh, I listened to an audio just being present and talking about the the reality of of life almost and the situation you're in and the, the control that you have when you operate from now the, the present moment and how the future almost doesn't exist it's it's your perception of the future based on your now situation and just having that a lot of social anxiety for me was about 
my my perception of people's opinions or things that might happen and i always thought of the worst situation and i find that i relate to a lot of ex-military people or even military people on this because i'm constantly like you just said looking for the exit what would happen if this happened if someone came in and did this what would i do how would i protect my part and i and i think it and i'm not sitting there thinking hmm, how how can i work this out it just happens and i can i can sense it going through my head as i'm trying to listen to my partner talk to me and sometimes she says are you even listening to me jay i'm like yeah 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 i'm listening i'm listening i'm just making sure we're safe first <laughs> And and I've never been in the military, but I relate to people when they say that because that happens to me. I, you know, I'm driving on the road. I'm constantly thinking of what could happen. But at the same time, that book by Eckhart Tolle made me think, well, I need to be present with what's happening now because right now I can control everything about this situation to a degree. I can't control other people, but I can control the way that I am and the way that I present myself. And when I read that or listened to that book, that changed a lot of stuff for me, like mindset. If you can, I don't know if you can ever get control of your mind. Um, subconscious is always running wild, but I think you can train yourself to almost create habits or habitual behaviors that put you in a more proactive or more positive state to deal with situations. And if you're constantly thinking of what could go wrong, subconsciously, your mind's going to be looking for a way to make things go wrong. And you'll find it like the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, it's called. Like you, you see a car that you really want to get, crazy model that's, that's really great, amazing color. You've not ever seen any of them about, but you see it in the shop. Eventually you buy it. A week later, you see nothing but that model, that color. And, and that's the same thing, isn't it? What you, what you, basically what you focus on expands. So getting more control of my mindset and being present, so like meditation and things like that, that's really helped me to control that. That, that social anxiety. Yeah, one of the things that you talked about, it's the RAS, uh, R-A-S, Reticular yeah. Activating System. And that's part of the mindset where nothing, until we actually give something meaning, then our brain is constantly filtering everything that's going on around us. And as soon as we give something meaning, now our, our mindset is actually looking for all these different things. Yeah. So it, one of the things that yeah, I wish I had the stats in front of me, I have it in my book, but uh, you know, it's like 70, 70 trillion bits of information that is coming in. It's, it's something around that. I would have to actually pull the book up to, to get the actual number, but our brain can't process all that information. So it has to have all of these different filters to be able to, to key in on what's important to us. And when I think about your social anxiety and I say yours because um, I've dealt with it and I feel uh, it's still there to an extent, but where does it stem from? And social anxiety, it comes in regards to not all cases, but what I'm hearing you say is it's stemming from those times that you were being surrounded and feeling lesser of a person. And you specifically talked about the feeling of what is going on within your body. Your, your cheeks start getting hot and flushed and you feel your body starting to tense up. And guess what that is? That is your, your, your mindset and it's dealing with the fight or flight. So yeah. now you know, your body is getting flooded with uh, all the different chemicals to be able to prepare for that threat. And the same thing goes on when you're in social um, uh, gatherings and different areas is now your your brain is looking for the safety or 
dealing with those threats. And uh, it, it does, it, it takes a while to, when we have certain beliefs and habits, it takes a while to reprogram those things. You can't just all of a sudden wake up and say, hey, I'm good. And, you know, it does, it, it takes time. So it sounds like you're definitely on the right path to where you're going. And I want to move forward from that social anxiety because, I mean, it's a very important thing that I feel is, uh, you know, people do deal with. Maybe it's not talked about enough in mm. regards to a big social um, platform, podcasts and Clubhouse or uh, Facebook, stuff like that. So I appreciate you being vulnerable and bringing that up to us. Yeah, for, for sure. One thing I'll say just quickly on that is, what I really found to help is if I'm feeling anxious or uncertain around something, and especially if it's something to do with me, because like I say, a lot of mine was my perception of people's opinion of me. I found just call the elephant in the room, just to say it. So if I ever thought there was something wrong with me, I'd just say it when I walked into the room and make a bit of a joke about it because then it, it's done. No one's, even if you're talking about it, it's fine because I've told you about it and that's why you're talking about it. Or if I feel nervous, so I'm sweaty, I'd say, oh, I'm really hot, it make me nervous, I'm sweaty as hell today. And just just saying that, it just levels it off. And I think, well, now it's okay to talk about it because I'm, I'm in control of this situation. I've presented this as a topic. Now we can either move on from it or we can talk about it a bit, you know, whichever way. And no one ever really sits there talking, you know, you're in a room conscious, you maybe you've got a spot on your face or something. And, and you say, oh, I brought my friend with me. All of a sudden, that's I feel okay. No one's going to say, well, let's talk about that. It just passes over. It's done. And that's it. You're not conscious of it anymore. It's like, yeah, I've got it. It's, it's bad. It's, it'll go. It's, you know, it is what it is. And I found that, you know, naming the elephant in the room and you being in control of that, so taking the control, it has been really helpful in overcoming, if you're ever conscious of a visual aspect of yourself, call the elephant and it's, it's pretty good to hey. do that in there. I love that, especially that <laughs> I brought my friend with me, <laughs> but, uh, and that's so true. It's, it's about, we can sit there and try and hide it. And as soon as we do that, guess what's happening inside, you know, now our body's still cooping it up and like, okay, so now what does that person think about it? And what is that? No, you immediately addressed it and it's setting your, your mindset at ease. Like, okay, it's dealt with, that's it. So now it can start once again, filtering all the different bits of information is coming through yeah. so it's no longer that important so um thank you for sharing that there's huge <laughs> tips for those that yeah maybe is dealing with that how do you deal with it well one of it is address it hey mm. you know maybe i'm not feeling very comfortable here well crap i'm sorry like let's let's deal with that help you feel a little bit more comfortable um so now with you and how did you end up getting into the digital uh, growth uh, coaching and marketing uh, strategist? Yeah, it's it, it, the, the shortest answer is I fell into it, but there's a, a bit of a bit of detail around it. So I went to university, as I said, and ended up doing psychology. So human psychology and criminology. And when I left university, I was offered a job in Australia um, as a relationship psychologist. I needed to save some money because a student didn't have any money. So I needed to save some money to get over there. And to do that, I thought, well, I'll just get a job doing anything and a, a job near my house. So I didn't need to drive there or anything was uh, in telesales. Now I'm, I'm good at sales now. I didn't like it back then. And certainly not telesales. It, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Some people are great at it. And I think if you're good at sales, you're winning because everything in life is sales. 
but I hated it. So after about a month of doing this, I, I just thought I cannot do this anymore. I've got to be here for another 10, 11 months. I can't face this. So I presented an idea to the manager of the office and it was a smallish office. There was about 20 people that worked there, mostly field salespeople. And I suggested the idea that people didn't recognize who we were because our partners, so we were partnered with some big print companies. I said, our partners, uh, we use their marketing departments. We don't have our own. So our, our logo is small in the corner and theirs is big on top and everyone recognizes that. So they remember that. And that's why they don't come to us. I said, we need to get some social media presence. And I've done a bit of social media because I did a bit of DJing at university and stuff and I present, promoted events and things. So I had a bit of knowledge about it and, you know, being a millennial, I grew up, I was probably born with a phone in my hand. So, you know, we, we, we get used to it. So I presented this idea and she said, yeah, sure. I'll speak to the owner. Now, little did I know that, you know, I'd, I'd not really invested much time into this company because it was a, a stopgap job. The company was something like 48 million pound turnover. It was a massive company. They had head, head office in Wimbledon, which is London, about three hours away, and then four or five other offices throughout the UK. So I didn't realize the scale of this company. And I quickly found out. So then I was put into a meeting with the two owners in, in Wimbledon at head office, presenting this idea you know, to these multi-millionaires as to why they needed social media. After my presentation, they said, yeah, okay, well, let's do it then. You're going to do it. So I was <laughs> taken aback and I thought, okay, we'll give this a go. So I did it locally for, for my branch to start with and it went well. So then I expanded and I ended up doing it for the UK. Um, I got promoted, did really well, got to like, um, run in the marketing department. We bought PR people in. I had a small team and everything was going great. And then I helped secure a deal with a big, big global uh, technology print and computer company. And that took us into Europe. And at this point, we were 100 odd million. So we were massive. And they wanted me to move to Wimbledon to basically run the marketing department from their head office. And I didn't want to do it. So I stepped away, but because I was doing so well in marketing, I thought, do I really want to drop this thing that's going so well for me and do a job that I've only ever done theoretically in a country I've never been to? And I'm rubbish in the heat. <laughs> so do I really want to move to Australia? As it happens now, side note, my plan is to try and move to Australia. But <laughs> back to the story. So then I ended up getting a job with a small a technology company and it was maybe 15 employees again local to myself it was struggling it was in debt um, and I was brought in by a friend of mine who was a sales manager there so I joined I built the marketing team built the marketing department grew it grew us within four years to a 3.5 million pound company and also helped um, helped secure oh, the number the number slips me three to four million there's a number in between there in investor finance as well uh, and I grew that company into until a group. There was multiple products were in multiple countries, like 20 odd countries were in. And it was it was a great company. And then and it got to the point where the, it wasn't serving me anymore. We were working with clients that didn't really mean anything to me. I, I wasn't 100 percent set on the way the company was ran. Corporate world wasn't for me. So me and my partner, who I actually met at the company, we decided that we were going to leave. So we left the company and we decided we would set up our own business. Now this was a risk because I was, I was actually going through a divorce at the time. So I got married during this point because uh, it spans over maybe seven years, eight years. So I'd got married, things weren't going great. She'd gone down the route of drugs and, and things like that. And it, I felt like it was holding me back and I tried to help her, but it, it, 
I don't think you can help those or coach those that you're that close to. They need an external person in the same way that I believe you're too close to your own business to coach yourself. So that broke the marriage down. And ultimately we separated uh, sometime after I met my partner. We bought a house together. I left the job and I was obviously going through a divorce still at the time. I was finalizing the divorce. So there's a lot of financial stress on us. My thought was, I'm just going to get another job. Her thought was, no, let's not do that. Let's let's create something that we're proud of and, and do it together. So we started this business and it turned into basically an agency, a marketing agency. And we took on £103,000 in contract revenue in our first 90 days in business. And I just thought, this is great. Like, we're killing this. This is amazing from a standing start, no capital, just all organic. And it, and it was a great result. But as we were serving these clients over the next six, eight months, I wasn't enjoying it. And what I realized over time was that I'd created, well, first of all, I was led by money. My focus was I have no money. So it's automatically, I'm like, well, I need to make money. The happiness thing had gone out the window. So I was just, I'd basically created a job or a business where I was an employee of my own business. I had to be there all the time. Clients were telling me what to do and I, and I hated it. So within that 12 month period, we actually sacked all of the clients and went back down to, it was, we went back down to about 1500 pound in consistent income coming from that, which was obviously a panic mode again, but we took the time to actually grow and, and cultivate what we wanted to create. And we, we'd realized that as we started bringing on a couple of clients, like one of my good friends, actually, actually the guy that got me the job with the struggling company, he'd left a, about a year before me. I helped him set a company up and helped him market that business, which ended up being, wow, it's multi-million pound business within its first eight to 18 months. It's a big business now. It's a, a property investment company in the UK doing really well. He's got an eight and a half, nine million pound property portfolio himself. He's doing great things. Lives in a big stately home now. You know, he's, he's living life. And um, I saw the success that I was having with him, but I also saw the way he was changing people's lives because he did more than property. He did the mindset. He did the spirituality. You know, he did the personal development as well as the, this is how you invest in property. And I just thought, I want to change people's lives. Like I've clearly helped him change his. I, I can't take full responsibility for that because it definitely wasn't. He's a great guy anyway. But I've helped to contribute toward this. And if I can just contribute even a small, even a fraction of what I've done for him to other people who don't have the confidence he had, who don't have the knowledge he has, who don't have the, the skill set that he has or the belief that they can do what he has done. And he was an average guy in, in a, a small semi-terraced uh, house, in fact, you know, uh, with a few, with a couple of kids, two kids at the time, and just living a normal life. And he had big aspirations and he went for it and he, he, you know, he made big sacrifices and he got it. And I helped contribute towards that. And I thought, well, I want this for myself, but I want to, I want to do it. I want to get there by helping other people to get there. So that's when I started digging deep into the marketing and helping people unleash their inner expert, empowering them and inspiring them to not just sit in that nine to five that is safe and secure and comfortable to actually, you know, not take a risk completely and just quit the job and start something new, but, you know, graduate into it, slowly bring something in and actually do something with your passion. And that's what we started to do. And we started to do, we saw great success. We weren't earning anywhere near as much as we were because it was a harder sell, but we were seeing great results. We we're getting great clients on board and we we're really proud of what we we're doing. And we enjoyed our work. And I ended up working more hours because I wanted to, not because I had to. 
and that's how I got into the coaching side of things and why we went down a certification with um, Evercoach. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Went down a certification with them. Um, we did other training. So I did training with my, with my friend as well. His, his business is called Real Life. So we went down some training with him and we did all this stuff to really grow ourselves. And we've probably invested over £100,000 in the past two years between us in personal development and just growing ourselves and getting to really know and understand ourselves. And that, that's how the coaching came about. And yeah, I think that's, that's the, kind of the main part of the story there. Yeah. yeah. I love how you kind of broke all those different things down. And one of the things that you talked about is the money was coming in for you and you didn't have the true happiness. You weren't happy there with, you know, you start out with not having money. Well, that is the driving force. So let's go get the money then. And you still find yourself not being happy. And by being self-aware and how did you find where the true happiness was? Yeah. Great question. It actually came from a realization at an event that I was at uh, a success resources event. And there's a guy on stage. I, I can't recall his name because there was a number of speakers, but he was talking about, again, being present. And he talked about what comes before the other thing. So a lot of people will focus on, like I think they call it to to fix the fruit. You've got to fix first fix the root. So he was talking about people see not having money as a problem. And then they think, well, or they don't even think, but if you ask them, why do you want money? Well, it'll make my life better. Why? Well, I won't have to worry about debt or bills. Okay. Well, why is that going to be better? Well, I'll be happier because I can spend more time with my family. Okay. So the goal really here is to spend more time with your family because that makes you happy. And what tends to happen is you have to fix the root. So the root of the problem really is actually happiness. So you've got to be, you've got to be happy before you can go, go and get the things that you want to get. Because it, it's not, getting money doesn't make you happy. Be happy and then the money will come. And, and realizing that, I thought, well, right now I've got the money and I'm doing well. I'm not happy. I hate my job, which is basically what I've made myself. I've made myself a job. And, and, and my boss is an idiot. I'm the boss. So I didn't like it. So yeah, I just thought, let's take it back. And it, and it was an extreme thing. It was an extreme thing. I think, it came, I think it came from watching a lot of Grant Cardone at the time, 10X everything. And I just thought, let's take this back. <laughs> let's bring it back to, to, to square one. So any, anyone that was not serving me, anyone that I didn't class as a grade A client was gone. And um, yeah, they went. And then that, that's when I started focusing on happiness. Like what's going to make me happy? Who do I want to work with that's going to serve me? Who, who, who am I going to be happy when they, for whom am I going to be happy for when they succeed rather than, yes, you've got the resort, I've got my money, now we can stop this. I, I want to connect with the person. I want to get on with them. I want to understand them. And that's kind of where the brand started to come in because people had great ideas for business, but they were, they were very much me too businesses. So, you know, another one of those businesses, oh, I'm selling on price and, and all this stuff. So that's where the brand came in and we really got deep and recognized that there's three core, three core brand foundations or three core elements to your brand foundation that really make a difference in your business with those being understanding your dream client in, in depth, not just 22 year old men in the U S because that's, that, that's, um, that's not a dream client. That's just an avatar as such or a demographic rather. And then it's your message. So vision, values, purpose, mission, all that, you know, all that stuff that the really ingrained deep stuff and then it's your signature offering. What is it that you're offering? Why is it different? 
What's the experience? What's that unexpected experience that you deliver when you bring that? What are the guarantees? How do those guarantees make you stand out from everyone else? And why do they matter from people? And it's all those things that people were missing. They were just creating a me too business and then judging themselves on, on their ability to perform or deliver based on the number of clients that they'd acquired. Now, I learned this quickly just because I was making money in my business when I started. My business was a shambles. It was all over the place. I didn't run accounts for the first three months. I couldn't tell you what I was earning. It was only afterwards that we got an accountant in that I realized what I was making. So I could, I could market, but I didn't know how to run a business. And it didn't even, I didn't even consider that. But I was judging myself purely on the result. So I was like, yeah, this is a killer business. This is amazing. Although I was unhappy. And people do that on the opposite side. I haven't got any clients. So I'm rubbish for this. I'm not made for the coaching industry. I can't help people. I can't fix people's relationships. All these things that they run because they haven't got clients. You know, the number of clients you've got does not directly correlate to how good you are at delivering what you believe you are here to do. Not at all. You know, being a relationship coach doesn't mean you're going to be an amazing marketer at all. And that, that was a differentiation, differentiation that we wanted to help people to make. And that's how that came in. I love it, man. If you guys missed what he just talked about, he dropped some major gems in regards to actually how to truly vision and help you guys understand your ideal clients. Because a lot of times everybody's out there just swimming around. And one of my coaching clients the other day, we were just sitting there talking about it. And I know how you were uh, previously talking in this podcast about, you know, some people we have to have direct directives and others we need to listen and be able to steal, steer in certain ways. And he's definitely a go-getter, um, this one particular client. So I, I love working with him. And it just came down to he's running so many different things. I said, look, man, you're going to either sit here and waste your time doing all these other things, or you can actually simplify and go after what you need to. I'm trying not to go into too much detail because you know that's between him and I, yeah. but ultimately it was just quieting the noise that is going on and just focus on directly what is needed and where he wants to actually steer his ship. So, um, you know, what I was talking about in regards to you dropping these gems was about the, the dream client or the, um, ideal client avatar, um, what they call it, the ICA, the ideal client avatar yeah. and the, the vision values and mission. And then the offer, you know, that is true greatness that you just spoke about. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the other things I did write down here is before we end up running out of um, time together for at least this episode is what can someone do to start gaining clients right away? As in, you know, maybe they're, they're sitting there struggling. They feel like they have to have these websites and, you know, it's all that, once again, it's all that noise. What would you recommend somebody to do to be able to start gaining clients right away? Yeah, so it's a great question. And I'm going to answer this on the basis that they don't have money. They don't they don't have a, an unlimited fund of money to start promoting things because ultimately that would be the quickest way to get clients advertising. However, you can waste a lot of money doing that if you've not done the brand foundations. So the first thing I'd say is work on who it is that you want to serve. So your dream client, really get to know them. You know, where are they hanging out in line? What format do they want to get their content in? 
what are their struggles, fears, aspirations, doubts? What do they really, really go deep, dig real deep into that and understand them in depth to the point that it's not just a list of words you've written like age 22 and stuff like that, but actually paragraphs, write it like a story. So you're really, you're built in, built into that person as if you're them. You can really feel the emotion when you read through it and you're like, yeah, actually that is, that is my dream client. That is who I can help. And that is how they feel. And not always, but often you can find that maybe four, five, six, seven years ago, yourself is likely to be your dream client. Not always, but quite often I find that to be the case. So if, if you are serving someone that could be an identity of you, think back to when you were experiencing that and then get into it and write that out. So that's the first thing, dream client. Then the message and the offering, that those, those things are really important to get. And so th that's kind of the stage we would call purpose. So understand the purpose and build your brand foundations. Once you've done that, work on your presence. So this is establishing that message and the words that you want to be using because you've identified the language that your dream client would use and associates and resonates with to build that affinity, start pushing that out through social media, get yourself out there. And one of the quickest ways to get clients, it's not the sexiest way to do it for sure, but if you're on zero budget and you've just started your business and you need to get some results fast, definitely do the foundations first, get yourself on social media, but then dive into doing some direct messaging direct messaging is key and open your conversation with something that you've seen on their profile. So don't just say, Hey, do you want to buy my stuff? Cause nobody wants to buy that stuff. And just ask something, point something out that you've seen on their profile and then ask a question about it. And then once they give you feedback, respond to what they say, don't go, Oh, cool. Then try and sell again. So acknowledge that actually try and build that rapport and then eventually move on to the point where you're talking about either relationships or a business and take them through a process where I can't, I won't be able to give it all on this call, the, the exact script we go through, but basically build that rapport, um, leverage them into talking about business or whatever it is that you, the area that you operate in, and then dig through what are their challenges, what are their goals, what are their struggles, and then, you know, what have you done to deal with this so far? Have you ever worked with someone like me before, whatever your title would be, and then try and get them onto a call. Because at that stage, whilst you're just starting out, selling on the phone is probably the easiest way to do it, especially if it's coaching services or, or anything face-to-face -face or even online programs. It's the easiest way to sell because people buy from people and you're a person. So <laughs> be there so that they can buy from you. I'm definitely like smiling ear to ear right now because that same client I was talking to you about, I asked him, I said, how many phone calls are you going to make? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he has numerous things going on and he was like, I definitely want to want to do one a day. And I said, okay. And uh, how many direct messages are you going to do? He's like 10. And he, I know he's probably listening when this actually comes out and that's okay. He, he'll know that um, who I'm talking about. So, and I said, you're playing, you're playing it safe. Why, why one, what is one going to get you? And it might be just a, a dead number. Maybe it does ring, but nobody picks up. You know, and I told him, I said, you know, when I was in recruiting it for the military, and that is where I first learned about the IP, I call it IPC skills, the interpersonal communication, understanding people and connecting, building that rapport. And I told him, I said, look, you know, this was 13 years ago. And I can still to this day tell you exactly what my numbers are to be able to actually get something and it was 35 phone calls
to be able to actually speak to five people on the phone to get one appointment for somebody to sit down with. So I said, your one phone call isn't going to do crap. So instead of playing it safe, and this is your dream, what are we going to do to get your dream? And so we, we revamped it, needless to say. And uh, it, it's true. By, just by getting out there and connecting, we oftentimes don't want to take those steps. We want to stay safe. Just like going back to the social uh, anxiety, the same thing. We want to play it safe. We'd rather be inside, but it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to give us those experiences and events and memories if we do that. So thank you so much, Jay, for sharing that information. And before we jump off today, is there anything that I missed or anything you'd like to say before we do jump off? I think the biggest thing that I'd like people to take away from this is just whatever the way you feel about yourself, or whatever way you perceive other people's opinions of you. If you if you believe that there's something within you that's bigger than what you're delivering to the world right now, like the thing that we want to do is help people to, we want to inspire people to unleash their inner expert and deliver to the world a thing that they potentially don't even realize they're born to do, they're here to do. So if you have something within you, just start moving towards it and talk to yourself as if it's already happening. And you will naturally start to gravitate towards that. And you'll be surprised at what you're capable of doing when you start doing something. No one's asking you to finish it today or tomorrow. They're just asking you to take the first step. And that's all you've got to do to start making progress. 1% every day. I love it, man. And before we do jump off, and I know, you know, I just wanted to, to finish up with that, but uh, previously you talked to me offline and one of the things I ask is if anybody's offering anything by all means is if it can help our audience grow as an individual or towards their, their end goal. Um, because that's what this forging life podcast is about. It's about taking these words of wisdom and trying to implement just a small piece every single day. And you know, what you gave without going into identifying our ideal client or you know, the, the certain visions, but there's still wisdom within what you shared today. So um, can you, can you talk to us about your ebook really quick? Um, one, what is this ebook? And two, can you just uh, tell people so verbally they can hear where they can actually find this? Yeah, sure. No worries. So the ebook gives the, the information that I, that I talked about. So it gives the basic foundations that you need in in order to get your business going. So if you're if you don't have the brand sorted, if you don't have your dream client sorted, if you don't have your message sorted, this ebook will take you through it. The way that I describe it is that it's the it's the secret client attraction formula that all marketing agencies are trying to hide from you about how to get clients fast. So if you want to get that, you can actually go to I'll read the website to you if that helps. You can go to dreamclientformula.com forward slash the number three hyphen steps hyphen ebook. And just so everybody knows that will definitely be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, make sure you take the time at the very end, pull over. Uh, it, it should be a clickable link in our uh, description box. So make sure you go over there and grab that. Um, one, to help yourself out. And two, uh, maybe if you want to reach out to Jay and understand more about what he does and uh, 
in regards to digital growth or even the uh, brand strategies? You know, do you have uh, calls that you typically set up for people? Yeah, so we, we actually offer free introductory strategy calls so that we can understand, first of all, if we're right for you, but equally if you're right for us, because we only want to work with people that we believe we can help and of the share our values, I think is one of the most important things. So yeah, we, we do that. We've got lots of free content. We've got free groups, YouTube channel, loads of stuff. So if you want to get in contact with me um, directly, feel free to email me at hello at expertunleashed.com. And that comes straight through to myself and my business partner. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that to the audience. I hope you guys actually take advantage of what Jay is actually uh, providing to all of you. If you're thinking about entrepreneurship, you are an entrepreneur, you want to take it to that next level, figure out where your your key points are that maybe you're struggling, definitely reach out to Jay and uh, figure that information out. And the last thing that I would like to, to say is um, in regards to so before we jump off, some of the questions I do ask every uh, guest that we have, this is something new that I'm doing for our Forging Life Facebook community is we're having some of our guests come out and do one big live um, event with all of us. And this allows our audience to be able to ask questions or even have certain guests within to be able to actually talk amongst ourselves. Is that something you would be able to join us for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, meeting and speaking to the people is ultimately what this is all about in this industry, really helping and seeing the impact that you're having. That's, that's ultimately why I do what I do to, to see and experience the change that we're able to deliver. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is definitely something new that I'm doing. The very first one we have is actually tomorrow. If you guys are listening to this, don't think of tomorrow. <laughs> these are actually recorded in advance but if you'd like to tune in on that that'd be awesome to even have you there as well so other than that you guys i hope you enjoyed this interview with jay please make sure you go over check him out go pick up the ebook or even go to the hello at what was it hello expert at unleashed experts unleashed expert and angular one one expert but he has a partner yeah <laughs> all right jay thank you so much and i appreciate all that you do and the value provided to us today as, as always you guys make sure you make the rest of your day the best of your day thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast if you're enjoying the Forging Life podcast, I ask you this. Take a moment and head over and rate this podcast. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you enjoy the most, please just take a moment so that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else. And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life podcast and join us there.